Yeah, we definitely had some things philosophically that, that um, we felt like we could be better at. Um, last year, even when we you know, were, were undefeated, I think um, with the skill that we now have, when you look at tight ends, running backs, wide receivers, luckily we have a little bit more depth, and if somebody gets hurt, people can step in. But yeah, there's some things philosophically that we're going to try to be better at and um, you know, not depend solely on just one one receiver to set everything up. Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Cardinal, Cardinals, earlier this week, talking about the change in philosophy after what happened at the end of last year, and we know what happened. They fluttered down the stretch and then got uh, bounced in pretty ugly fashion in the playoffs by the Rams. Um, there's all this talk, Bic. We, we talked about it last year, about the Rams, the team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. What their strategy was prior to the 2021 season, that was, quote-unquote, going all in. They went all in. Uh, They went and got Matthew Stafford. They upgraded their quarterback position. That strategy paid off, and they won the Super Bowl. And you kind of apply that thinking now and, and that question. How all in are the Arizona Cardinals? I think they're all in offensively. And in that soundbite, the change philosophically that Cliff Kingsbury talked about, and then he mentioned personnel groups, and he talked about wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. We got more depth there now. They are all in offensively. As I see it right now, yeah. the strategy defensively is crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. It's It really is, to me, the, uh, the, the thing that kind of stops me when I start to think about the ceiling for this football team because most Super Bowl contenders don't approach, let's just say, their secondary the way the Cardinals have. Now, granted, they've dealt with a couple of things that are that are either flu- ranged from flukish to tragic. The death of Jeff Gladney mm-hmm. and, and what happened to Antonio Emma Hamilton in a in a in a cooking accident, but it's not like Antonio Hamilton is a Pro Bowl level cornerback, and he it's was not decent like last year he was decent, and it's not like Jeff Gladney has a long or had a long a track record of success. So there has been a lot of hoping going on, and now we're hoping that a couple of new cornerbacks are going to be functional, if not you know better than that. It just seems to me to be a, a real kind of duct tape approach to a to a roster, and, and I think a lot of it is paying for their past history when they did not draft well. This team has kind of been in desperation mode from season to season to season in in terms of having to uh, hit on the right grouping of free agents and street free agents mm-hmm. and trades and all that. Uh, and, and hopefully they'll stabilize in the future. Hopefully you know we'll get some more homegrown talent that doesn't make this such a year-to-year scramble, if you will. But that's what it feels like to me on defense. It feels like they're scrambling again. Yeah, and, and, and to go back to my word, hoping... And- and hoping at three levels. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to start up front? J.J. Watt is one of the best to ever do it. Will go down in history as that. They are hoping he could stay healthy for yeah. 17 games. Yeah. And if he does, he'll have an impact. That's, I mean, that's hope. On the edge rush, uh, edge rush position. Mm-hmm. Hoping that Marcus Golden is ready to go. And hoping... That what Dennis Gardeck did in about 40 defensive snaps two seasons ago can be repeated yeah. and kind of cut and pasted over 17 games. Yeah. Um, you know, at the linebacker position, you're hoping Zaven Collins steps up. 
you're hoping Isaiah Simmons can be effective as kind of the leader of that defense in terms of calling signals with the green dot. And you mentioned the cornerback spot. There's one position on defense right now that I think Cardinal fans feel totally comfortable with, and that's the safety yeah, the position. Safety positions, yes. I, I think that 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 is a position they've gotten locked down. The the other thing is too. In the NFL, there's a reason why elite edge rushers, elite pass rushers cost so much money is they bring great value to the field, and and there's not a lot of them. So the Arizona Cardinals are hoping that they can generate an NFL-level pass rush. And take a look at the quarterbacks they're playing. It's no joke. They've oh. got a lot of great quarterbacks ahead of them. They're Including hoping, all four in that AFC West yeah, division. Yeah. So they're hoping they can manufacture a pass rush with a variety of guys that range from Victor Demukeji to Zach, full stop, Allen. <laughs> you have to do that these Gotta days. Got to do that Phoenix. these days, yeah. right? Um, to Dennis Gardak, to Marcus Golden, who is it, it, who is not making a lot of money. To two rookies and uh, Thomas and Sanders. And the two rookies and Thomas and Sanders. So that's, that's a lot of hoping, man. It's a lot of hoping. And... I think it's fair to 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 believe that some of these some some of these young guys will emerge and play well, but some of them will not. Yes. You're not you're not going to hope your way into a 100 percent success rate on defense. Well, even with all the offensive improvement we've seen over the three years uh, you know, of the Cliff Kingsbury Kyler Murray era, one thing remains a fact: the Cardinals in that era still have not had a 40 point game. Yeah, believe it or not. They're going to need to have some of those 40-point games this year. I, I completely agree with and that. And if they can have those games and outscore opponents 41-35, to 35, yeah. hey, wins are wins. You don't have to ever apologize for a win in the no, NFL. But they no. might have to go that way sometimes. That's a, that's a dicey way to go, though, because as you as you progress throughout a season, as weather becomes a factor in away stadiums, um, as ball control and time of possession become more important, you've, you've got to be able to D up a little bit. So, um, yeah, I... I got my fingers crossed because you're right. I, I think I think nothing nothing symbolizes more of what you're saying about going all in on offense versus what they've done on defense for, uh, than what they did in the in the second round of the NFL draft mm-hmm. in in selecting a tight end who who does look very intriguing, but it was certainly a luxury item. I was thinking about this earlier. You know, one of those stupid stats that I track every week is how long it's been since a Cardinal tight end has had 100 yards in a game, right? They've got to get one this year, don't they? they? Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> they got a guy with a thick base. <laughs> I had to get it in there. Had to get it in there. Between, right. But between Ertz when he's healthy and McBride, and what they're you know how they're raving about him, this mm-hmm. has got to be the year they get one of those games. Apropos of nothing, it really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they don't need to, but no, no, they don't. But uh, but again, it's it's. I, I think that. I think that in in football, sometimes you get pleasantly surprised by guys who who come over, who've been cut elsewhere, and sometimes guys like that just need a chance. Rasul Douglas is a perfect example. He was on the Cardinals practice squad. He was plucked from it by the Green Bay Packers, and he had one of the more influential seasons a cornerback has had in recent memory. Yeah, but as it stands right now, too, at the cornerback position... They trade for one, they mm-hmm. pick up one on waivers, but that's two guys in Gidry and Mullen that weren't yeah. here five days ago. No, I know. And I know. you're going to be counting on them pretty and heavily I, in week I'm, one. And I'm much more confident about Trayvon Mullen than I am about Javelin Gidry, but that's okay. I mean, it, it's you never know what you're going to get. I just think that they, they're playing a real dangerous game with a defense that is very underfunded. Mm-hmm.
Alice in Chains and Breaking Benjamin heading to Ak Chin Pavilion September 10th. Limited tickets are available, but you can win a pair now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, Donovan Mitchell finally traded by the Jazz. Is this the impetus for some movement around the league? And could it mean the Suns are sniffing around the Utah Jazz roster? We'll get into that next. Typically in Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Frankly, I think we're going to see more. You know, what does a Jazz team right now need in veterans in Jordan Clarkson or Bogdan Bogdanovich? Like, there are more draft picks out there to be acquired. I'm talking to you from Los Angeles. The Lakers still have work left to be done. And if they're not going to get Kyrie Irving, that door has been shut now for a couple weeks. You know, Utah and Indiana become their top targets in order to improve their team. And if Utah now has already pulled down the foundation and all you have is some, some really nice window dressings and guys like Clarkson and Bogey, you move them as well. And so I think you could see even more action uh, coming out of the Danny Ainge front office in the coming days. It's Dave McManaman from ESPN after the Donovan Mitchell deal, uh, the big deal, the first one we've seen in a while in the NBA, the Utah three-time All-Star gets traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. After all the smoke and all the fire about the New York Knicks pursuit and earlier this week, the Knicks raised eyebrows and they signed uh, R.J. Barrett to that extension and apparently that did complicate things to the point where um, the Cleveland deal was deemed better by Utah and Danny Ainge is in draft pick acquisition mode oh, right now. Oh, Trader Danny. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing what he loves best. But to Dave McMenamin's point, Utah, obviously, they are in the midst of a massive rebuild. They finally gave up on their core. Uh, this offseason, they've traded three of their starters already in uh, Royce O'Neal, obviously Rudy Gobert, and now Donovan Mitchell. But he brings up a great point. You still have guys with value around the league that are veterans that could help better teams who, if they stay in Utah, are going to make them more competitive. Utah is in the business of getting the number one overall pick for next year yeah. to get the French center, Victor Wenbanyama. That's who they want, uh, and that's the one of the, the freakish uh, talents that's coming into the league. So why hold on to those guys? What does that mean for the Phoenix Suns? Interesting. We talked about it very briefly yesterday uh, that the Suns could use more in, in terms of reliable scorers, um, and regardless of where that is. Right. Utah's got two of those guys Mm -hmm. in Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Our very own John Gambadoro did some sniffing around on this, and he says basically there's not any interest in Jordan Clarkson from the Suns, but they have kicked the tires and sniffed around Utah for Boyan Bogdanovich. Does he cure all the ills? Does he fill all the needs that the Suns have? No, but that is a guy that can step out and consistently hit 40% of his three-point shots. Right. And on any given night, go for 30 or 40. Yeah. That's a pretty attractive thing to have. No, I like this as a piece. I would I would highly I would highly endorse that. If if Danny Ainge is in draft pick acquisition mode and and the Suns have assets in that regard, which they obviously do, I'm I'm all for that. Uh, the question becomes is it, it, do, are you sacrificing anything in the long term pursuit of Kevin Durant to do this? And uh, but but I'm with you. I are think, they still in that business? Well, see, that's the whole thing. I think at some point in time you do need to kind of address this basketball team and not 
wait for that shoe to drop. I, I like I like Boyan Bogdanovich as a player. I think he's got good size. He's he's got a thick base. He's it, no, but you're right. He can step out. and He can shoot the ball a little bit. And it's I don't know contractually. I, again, it's it's I, I, I do think that this is an element that the Suns need to get better at. And as much as I love the other stuff that Jay Crowder brings, I, like I said, the shooting, shooting team, shooting the Suns out of games, the 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 wild ride that comes with that, I, I think it's it's taken its toll on this team a little bit. I, I like this. I would I would highly recommend they pursue him. Yeah, but you know, if you're including Jay Crowder in any deal, Utah's not going to have any interest no, in him unless no. they can spin him off somewhere else and maybe pick up another draft pick. Uh, Bogdanovich makes nineteen point three million dollars for this upcoming season one year left on the deal Mm -hmm. and i heard gambo and tim ring talking about this today and gambo posed the question hey does that turn you off if if you're the sons that bogdanovich has just one year left on the contract and i agree with tim ring because he said no you're in a window yeah an immediate window and it has to do with the the ticking clock on on chris paul's career Mm -hmm. you've only got so much more time with chris paul playing at the level that he's capable of playing at yeah so yeah um, this would be an all-in move for this year, and then you kind of worry about it last year. And if you got a ring after uh, after this pursuit, it's all worth it. Yeah. Uh, when I threw out there on Twitter the idea of if if they want to trade Jay Crowder and Jay Crowder wants to go Miami, you could get a guy like Duncan Robinson. A lot of Suns fans reacted very poorly to that because of his contract and because he – does he do anything else but shoot threes? No, no. but he really can shoot threes. He really but, can I mean, shoot threes. And, down and, the stretch of the season, he fell out of the rotation I know in Miami. He did. I know he did. And I, I had a lot of Suns fans say, no, get, we'll get Tyler Hero instead. You can't get Tyler Hero for Jay Crowder. No. You, you, that's is, is so no. flush that. Right. You You'd have to be a hero to pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with two R's. I'm holding out for a hero. Uh, oh. Holding out for a hero till the end of the there night. There goes my <laughs> hero, Vinny. <laughs> hey. Um, so, but Bogdanovich is a different kind of player. He can he can score. He, he's a good mid range mid range shooter. He can he's a better scorer. Duncan Robinson's an elite three point shooter. I do think they need to check that box though. They need to have more dependable outside shooting. I, I think we've seen that um, as as the playoffs wore on last year. So, uh, yeah, I think that that the focus has to be exactly that short term. Don't worry about. Three years down the road, because this is—you've got a window with Chris Paul, and he's not going to be here that much longer. Yeah, so go all in now. Bogdanovich is not exactly a defensive stopper. No, no. <laughs> so I think your defense. Little, yeah, he's a little your, clunky. Your defense suffers. Yeah, yeah but, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think you know, Suns fans generally speaking are waiting for James Jones to to make a move. And yeah, they were limited. They were, you know, handcuffed a little bit because of the pursuit of Kevin Durant. The mm-hmm. holdup there, we know that that's not going to be addressed right now. It could be addressed later down the road. But you know, uh, there's a lot of people asking the question: What did the Suns do to improve this off season? You had Damian Lee, you had Josh Okogie, Jock Landale, who I think are three, you know, nice pieces to have. You lost Javale McGee who did play a big part on this team. Uh, the other, there, There's another group of people asking the question, 
Did the Suns need to improve that much? Are they still among the elite? I believe that's the case, but yeah. that might not be enough because of the arms race that's going on in the Western Conference. Uh, it's 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 something, isn't it? It's but the, again, the one thing that the Phoenix Suns have going for them that some other teams may not. I won't I won't say other teams do not, but the one thing the Suns have for them is also the internal growth factor. Because when we start thinking about things that have to get added to the mix. Things can get added to the mix from guys who are already here just through evolution and getting better. And they've got a lot of guys like that. And that is one of the intriguing things about Mm -hmm. the Suns. Not everybody can say that. There's more teams that have pieces that, hey, you know what you're going to get from these guys. But when you look at Aiton and you look at Bridges and Johnson. Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. When you look at Cam Johnson and DeAndre Aiton and and even Mikael Bridges. But I think Cam and DA are the two guys that you look at and go, they're not even close to their ceiling. No. I mean... Offensively, I think Johnson kind of is, um, and we saw that before the injury. If he can get back to that well, level, if the thing about Cam Johnson, the <laughs> thing about him is, if he he is so sneaky athletic, and I, I you can trace the development of it when he started uncorking some of these unbelievable dunks, people were like, "What?" And then we had an interview with Eddie Johnson who said he's by far the most athletic player on the team. Really, what? Yeah. And then it began to play out, and you realize, wow, he really is. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he's got to get – I think he's got to get more physical. I think he's got to get better off the bounce. If he can do those two things, who knows where he's going to go. Yeah, we were waiting for something to happen to kind of spur movement in the NBA again. Yesterday's this, deal, right, the, that's the Cleveland deal with Utah might be uh, just enough to do it. it. Coming up next, we'll hit the uh, big stories of the day with the Rush Hour reboot with Sarah Cazell. That's straight ahead here. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Sit up! I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero to the end of the night. He's got to be strong, and he's got to be fast, and he's got to be fresh from the fight. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. On 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I am Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Murata. Broncos country, let's ride. <laughs> let's ride. And Lauren in for Jarrett Carlin behind the glass today. During the Rush Hour Reboot, every day at 7.30, we take you through the top stories of the day. Uh, so that is what we are going to do now. But first, do you guys have any exciting Labor Day weekend plans? I not yeah, laboring full on chill mode <laughs> for exciting. me. Like I said, because of what's coming up on the other side of it, football season, full on chill mode for me. Okay, will that involve watching a ton of sports or just like truly chilling and turning the brain off? I, I may or may not have booked a couple of uh, tea times for myself uh, to be a little self indulgent. Treat um, yourself. I may or may not have some cold beers in the fridge with my name plastered on them. <laughs> well, it's starting for me. It's starting, and maybe for somebody else uh, with Friday beers. Yeah. Oh. Oh, right. And there's good college football on every day this That's weekend. Right. Even to Monday. Point. I think LSU plays Florida State. We can all watch Jaden Daniels flounder. Oh. If he gets the start, we don't know. Brian Kelly won't tell us who started. Can I point something out, too? Because there Please. is no Jared Carlin for the uh, for the second straight I, day. I think I know what you're going to say. Because I, I, I had the same thought, but go ahead. Okay, this will be interesting if it is. Uh, so yesterday we had, uh, we had Jesse. And yes. Jesse's an experience all unto himself, <laughs> as we know. 
And today we have Lauren. Yes. I, the last two days I have not seen anybody behind that glass eat a hand fruit. I haven't seen oh. anybody have to eat food during the course of the show. Not the same as what I was going to say. I was going to comment on Lauren's flawless board work to this point. I have no doubt that it will continue until 10 o'clock right. today. Yeah. That's true, pro. And Jesse, you know, for the adventure that he is, he runs a clean board. <laughs> How do the people? How do people come from the outside and, and without knowing the inner workings of this show and run it flawlessly? And, and Jared, who's here every day for thirty years, yeah, right? He plays yeah. sixteen sound bites at the same time. <laughs> Got the update take music that, going. Ferret. If you're listening from Skokie, oh. take that ferret. Shut, shut up, Jared. Shut up, shut Jared. Up, Jared. <laughs> Lauren, do you want to throw in a shut up, Jared? Sure. Shut up, Jared. Yay! Well done, Lauren. There also, it is. also, we yeah. must know how to run a clean show because he taught Jesse and I how to do it. It must be a wow. choice not to. It when he was teaching choice. you, or you were like, "No, that's not how this goes." <laughs> wow. So I think it is. I think that is very true. It is a choice. Very cool. And he chooses to be Jared. <laughs> weird brand. Uh, indeed, indeed, a very weird brand. All right, let's get into the top stories of the day. Let's start with ASU football, which got its first win of the season last night, forty to three over NAU. So, as you guys pointed out earlier in the show, uh, NAU will not be the state champions of Arizona. Uh, ASU has a chance to hold on to that. Uh, it took ASU a little while to settle in. Got going in the second quarter, though. And Emory Jones will carry, and Jones will run, and Jones will score! Emory Jones taking it in from 17 yards out for his second rushing touchdown of the night. Boy, a lot of, uh, a lot of remarks about not only his quickness, as you heard in that call, but uh, his patience as well as a passer. The new quarterback coming in from Florida, head coach Herm Edwards, was very impressed by how calm he was. Quarterback very calm. Very, very, very calm. Um, thought he stood in the pocket pretty well, you know, made some couple throws. Um, missed a couple, but, you know, that's has something to do with the familiarity with the receivers and the young receiving core. A lot of new faces for ASU. A lot of new faces. So who surprised you? Either good surprise or bad surprise? Uh, I'll go with Emory Jones. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I was excited to see him play. Obviously, he's experienced. He played in the SEC, put up pretty good numbers. But one of the things that I liked, and it might not be something I like throughout the season, but mm-hmm. when he ran the football, last year we watched two quarterbacks in town who were capable of running the football, and Kyler Murray and Jaden Daniels, who were very aware, self, self, uh, self-aware yeah, about right. injury. Yeah. Emory Jones is a bigger he's dude. He's a big dude. Yeah. He can lower his shoulder. And, he can, he can run you over. Yeah, he can, he can dish it a little bit, too. He, now, made, that might come back to cost him, but uh, I, I like that. He, look, he, even on that fourth down quarterback sneak for the touchdown, he made it look easy. Yeah. yeah. Even when pretty much everyone knew that that's what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I walked away from last night very optimistic about that quarterback. It, it's in I yeah the, the transfer portal. It's it's been sort of stigmatized in college yes, football. Hundred percent. One of my takeaways last night was that they got some good kids. That Zazavian Valade kid. I, I again, I I had no recollection of him at Wyoming, but. I'm, yeah, so I'm I'm moderately optimistic about yeah. where this Ooh, thing is going. Moderately, okay. Yeah. Let's look at the penalties committed last night. Only four, two of them did cost touchdowns uh, for ASU. Those are called fouls, Sarah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but again, I know it's just the first game. I know it's NAU, and you know you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt. But last season, penalties were such a huge downside to the ASU team. They had the third worst uh, yards given up 
up, yards per game given up due to penalties. Uh, 78 yards a game. That was the third worst in FBS last year. But only four last night. Uh-huh. Only four um, penalties. What did you guys think about that? It was much cleaner. And I think mm-hmm. last year was where that trend started in the opener against an overmatched Big Sky opponent. They struggled to play a clean game. That was not the case mm-hmm. this year. It was harped on. You know, Herm talked about it a lot last year. It never really got corrected. But when you have this new group and you can harp from, from day one of spring football and then through fall camp, you can make an, an impact. So hopefully, knock on wood, that's a trend that continues. You'll live with four penalties for 35 yards every yeah. single week. Yep, and Herm Edwards said as much last yeah. night. I, the and one of my takeaways, too, was last year, whether or not it was just the chaos or the the distractions or, or the coaches who were suddenly not there replacing by guys who weren't expecting to be coaches. It just looked like they were they were more coached up. Phrase I hate. Yeah. It just looked that way to they me. They were more coached up in the lid lifter. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Double whammy for Bick. <laughs> Shut up, Murata. Shut up, yeah. <laughs> you turned their mics off, Lauren. That'd right, be great. Thank you. you. All right, let's go to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we finally know why Antonio Hamilton has been missing for a little while from the practice field. Um, our John Gambadoro and NFL Network's Ian Rappaport both had varying reports yesterday, or varying details in their reports, that Hamilton had a cooking accident, spilled hot oil on himself, and had burns severe enough that he needed to go to the hospital. Hamilton himself tweeted about the accident. He wrote, I had the greatest camp of my career, and last Monday I had an accident that could have ended up deadly for me and my family, but instead I got the short end of it by having my feet severely burned, second degree. It was literally a freak accident, and God spared me to only have these injuries. So he had been awarded the number two cornerback spot. He is now on injured reserve and is going to miss the four uh, first four games of the season, I should say. So who do you trust to step in in his place while Hamilton is out? Are you looking at Marco Wilson? Are you looking at Trayvon Mullen? Marco Wilson's going to have to play, but I, I feel more confident right now about a, a more veteran guy in Trayvon Mullen. Even though he's new, um, there was a reason why the Cardinals pinpointed him yeah. uh, in, in a trade from the Raiders. So uh, I think they both have to step up, but I have more faith in Mullen right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. I, listen, I, I, I've got a, and again, it's just, a, it's just an instinct. It's just a gut feeling. I think Trayvon Mullen's going to hit. I think he's going to, yeah. as Vinny said, I think he's going to go down as a wise addition, and I think he's going to play well. That's that's who I'm going to point to. And Cardinals fans are very happy to hear that right now, uh, given the state of the cornerback room. Alright, finally, you guys just talked about this in the last segment, but according to our John Gambadoro, the Suns apparently are interested in Boyan Bogdanovich in the midst of the Utah Jazz total teardown and rebuild uh, going on in Utah right now. The Jazz were in the mix for one of the top like four to five teams in the West last year. Mm-hmm. Now, where are you dropping them? Oh, near the bottom. Oh, yeah. Because I, I don't think they're done. I think they're going to unload some more of their veterans. Uh, I think it's probably between them and San Antonio, which sounds so Ooh, weird to I say. know, right? Teams 14 and 15 in the Western Conference are probably going to be the Jazz and the Spurs after all the success they've had. But yeah. but the Kings are going to king, Ooh. aren't they? They always do. They always do. They had that little moment in, what hey, was it, like 2018? Look, remember, <laughs> I remember I thought they were gonna be good. their first summer league game. Uh, Keegan Murray's going to be a really good player, by the way, for 
the Kings, and he had a good summer league game. And there was a, a shot that went viral from Kings fans, you know, filing out of the arena in Vegas. And one of them said, "Keegan Murray, man, oh, this right. year we win forty <laughs> games. Dude, this is the year we get to 40. 40 yeah, games wow. with Donovan Mitchell being traded to Cleveland. Do you think that kills the Devin Booker Donovan Mitchell rivalry at all? Ooh. Yeah, and I'm glad about it. Yeah, uh, it got it got old, uh, and it I, it also maybe other Suns fans feel this way. It made me dislike Donovan Mitchell a little bit by no fault of his own. And it was, he's a good was, dude. He's it a was, really yeah, good, yeah, a good player, explosive, fun to watch. Yeah. But that constant holding up of, of Mitchell and the claims made by the Jazz fans. And Jamal Murray. Or, let's face it, nuggets. Jazz fans are way too loud on social media anyway. It'll be nice for them to quiet down a little bit for the next couple of years. Oh, you hear that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, will they quiet down? Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're not. <laughs> That's another thing Ralph Amston's going to tweet us about. Jazz fans. He's got a busy morning ahead of him, Ralph. Yeah, very special beef with jazz fans. There Thank you, know. you Sarah. Yeah, thanks, We're all rebooted. You, Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 730. Uh, coming up next, where do the Arizona Cardinals rank in the NFC in the eyes of some NFL execs? Well, we'll tell you what uh, Mike Sando found out next. Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Oh, we continue on the Friday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings. Headed to you into the Labor Day weekend. Live from the Akshin Community Studios. Labor Day weekend coming means we are one week away from the first full weekend of NFL football. Oh, boy. Next oh Friday boy. on this show, we can actually talk about a result we saw the night before. The Bills and the Rams. Possible Super Bowl preview, by the way. Listen, next Thursday is going to be, it's going to be just so liberating to get back into real live NFL football. I just, I feel like this season, uh, every NFL season is compelling. This one just seems loaded with good stuff. You pulling out the uh, bottle opener keychain? Uh, yeah. Next, uh, yes. A week from yesterday, absolutely. Or the bottle opener necklace, I'm sorry. Not a keychain. Necklace. Yeah. yeah. Right. Can't lose it if it looks it's around more, your neck. It looks much more goofy when you put it around your neck. <laughs> Where'd you get that, by the way? And where can I get it? He had it made specially. (laughs) I ordered it online. Amazing. (laughs) Uh, Mike Sando has Mm -hmm. a piece, actually two pieces in The Athletic where, uh, and I I, I love Mike's work and we have him on and he gives us great stuff when he comes on the radio, but he's also got so many connections around football that he can uh, get in touch with NFL executives. In fact, he did it and got in touch with five NFL executives on a uh, panel uh, to rank every team in both conferences. So we'll focus on the NFC first because that's where the Cardinals live. Um, of the five, uh, you know, the Cardinals got ranks of, uh, and, and again, there's 16 teams in the conference. Cardinals got ranks of 7, 7, 10, 8, and 7. And that's pecking order ranks. Right. So their median score was 7. Uh, the six teams that uh, this panel has in front of the Arizona Cardinals in the NFC, the Dallas Cowboys at six, Philadelphia Eagles at five, San Francisco at four, Tampa Bay three, Green Bay two, and the Rams number one. Yeah. I don't think all, that's very controversial. No, all the usual suspects. I, I thought it was real interesting that, that a, a lot of these executives have put that much faith in San Francisco despite their quarterback situation. Because San Francisco across those five execs ranked four, 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 and three, 
And 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 then I looked at the one the one real outlier who had the Cardinals tenth best in the NFC as to who else did he have better than the Cardinals? Had the Vikings better? Had the Saints better? Had the Commanders better? Yeah, there was one curious comment in in the Cardinals write up from one executive again anonymously. Mm-hmm. Quote: I think Washington, Arizona, and Dallas will be battling for the final two playoff spots in the NFC, which is interesting. Washington has not been all that uh, you know reliable lately. Their best defensive player in Chase Young is out for the, at least the first four games. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Carson Wentz is their quarterback. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily paint a real bright picture. No, it, it doesn't, and it's it's so so that to me is a little bit weird. Um, I, I I do think there are things working against the Cardinals. I think the schedule is more difficult than most, and and the fact that they're giving away a home game to play in Mexico City is not ideal. But but I do think that some I think seven is right. I think that's appropriate. That's what, in my mind's eye, that's where I kind of see them, yeah, right around there. I, I, I think they've got it on paper, especially offensively, I think they're better than Dallas and Philadelphia, but those yeah. two teams play in an easier division with easier schedules. I do find it interesting that there's two teams in the NFC West above the Cardinals, and that being the 49ers and Rams, because outside of three games, those teams have identical schedules in terms of opponents. Yeah. Like the Rams have to play the AFC West. The 49ers have to play the AFC West, which could be, again, the strongest division we've ever seen. Right. There was another uh, executive on this panel uh, that had a comment about the Cardinals and the range and where they could fall. He said, quote, I think it's a seven that could be a 12. I don't believe in their quarterback as a leader. And a lot of things that have played out in the media have shown it, end quote. I think that's fair, but I also think it doesn't account for, for obvious growth that people have seen him every day, um, have seen with Kyler Murray. Yeah, I, I think all of that is fair. I think it, it's skepticism of this football team is absolutely uh, appropriate given given the, the collapses. I mean, that that has been a constant with Cliff Kingsbury. Like him or not, that has been a constant. So there's and, – and there's – any number of reasons that might be contributing to that. So I think as a result, that's about fair. That's about where they should be looked at and ranked. The thing that I'm looking at in terms of this is I really am curious to see what this season looks like in Tampa because it seems acknowledged that Tampa's a top-four team. Uh, but Tampa suffered a lot of offense, a lot of losses to that offensive line, and there's a and there is clearly – Clearly, some tumultuous stuff happening with their quarterback. Well, and we could talk about it because there's a major news outlet that's put it out there. It's the New York Post that's reporting that there's uh, marital strife, which some people had speculated upon. But they put it in print uh, that uh, Tom Brady uh, and Giselle are on the outs. And it has to do with his decision to end his retirement after 40 days. And she's fed up with it. Yeah. And again, we we wouldn't go here except Tom Brady has made this very public. He went on Howard Stern and openly discussed this. Mm-hmm. Um, about how Giselle was getting very frustrated with him because it, it's all about him and his career and not her and her career and all that. Apparently, according to the New York Post, they had an epic fight and she's gone and she's off in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And he's taking care of the and kids. And he's taking care of the kids. So it's it, which would ex- which would explain the hangdog look from that one press conference. So I don't know where this thing is going. I really don't. It, it's. Yeah. <sighs> Again, I said it earlier this week, it would not shock me at all. Even though we are where we are with Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, 
they win the whole thing again. I it wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me that after a month, if Tampa is off to a bad start and Tom's not into it, that he taps on now. That doesn't sound like something Tom Brady would do mm-hmm. he, when they got a commitment like that. But again, so it's it's. But that's I'm bringing this up under the context that this is one of the teams that is consistently ranked ahead of the Cardinals in the NFC, and I'm not sure I'm buying it. There's a. Uh, I I do believe Green Bay is going to be a lot better than than some people realize, and I'm saying that only because some people look at that core of wide receivers and go, oh, how can you win with that? Their offensive line is so good. Their running backs are so good. Their defense is incredibly good. They're going to win that division in a walk. Yeah, and if there's a quarterback that can make marginal guys better at the wide receiver position, it's it's Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers. I wanted to hit on one note from the AFC. uh, Mike Sando did the same thing in the AFC. Uh, Not surprisingly, Buffalo's number one in this ranking. Kansas City's number two. Baltimore's three. But the range of ranks from the Baltimore Ravens, the five ranks, they got two third-place votes, a fourth-place vote, a tenth-place vote, and an eleventh-place vote. So one of the voters said they'll win their division. I don't know where Joe Burrow is health-wise. Deshaun Watson's missing the first 11 games, and I don't know where he's at overall after the layoff. I don't know where the quarterback in Pittsburgh is. So I'm saying Baltimore may be the best team in that division with an easier schedule. Are the Ravens the third-best team in the conference? They're in a better position position than some of those AFC West teams, even if they're not as good. I think that's a valid point. It is. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, one of the lower votes, the 10 or 11, quote, they've got no skill players at all other than Mark Andrews. Who is Lamar Jackson going to throw to? All right, you're going to be a running team. That's great, except your line's not that good. That said, the 11th best team in the AFC would probably be 5th or 6th in the NFC. That's true. Well, yeah. that's very, very true. I think both of those things could be true. No, listen, and, and, I, and I think a couple of things here. I think I think the Indianapolis Colts are going to be really good, and they might be a surprise team to come out of the AFC. I've said that before, but I, I think bringing in the quarterback like they have with that offensive line and that running back that they have and Jonathan Taylor, they're going to be they are going to be a handful. Um, and, and and I think the the AFC West. That's uh, the, the the quality of quarterbacks and edge rushers in that division alone are insane, mm-hmm. and, and and the North division is intriguing. The Joe Burrow Bengals thing is is very interesting. I, I think they did something very smart in adding OJ Howard to the mix. That's that's a perfect kind of weapon. To, to give Joe Burrow, he's not going there. Oh, he's not. No, he he went for a visit. They didn't sign him, so I think he. Uh, he's, I thought he may have signed or is deal. signing with the Houston Texans. Is that right? That's the last I heard on it. Yeah. Okay, I stand corrected. Bottom line, though, is I don't know what you're going to get out of the Bengals. What they did last year, I'm not going to call it flukish because the way Joe Burrow performed was incredible. But that team also got hot, mm-hmm. and that team outside of their quarterback and the receiver, that was a very just okay team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's that's why I said this football season is 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 really going to be fascinating. Oh, the AFC is going to be fun to watch, mm-hmm. and and the NFC could be too. Coming up next, we're halfway through on this Friday. Bix got your blast straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station.